They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Family bloodline interbreeding control system of these elite families was not just a human thing. It went beyond that uh, into entities that or anything. And it was only with the, the passage of the years and more and more research when I started to realize the nature of this reality and experience it, that that made sense in, in how this structure is playing out. Just outside of the frequency range of visible light, there are entities that are anything but human who have been manipulating this reality, this world for eons. And because they are working on operating on a frequency that's that's different to ours they have to manipulate our world through conduits i mean an interfaces it's very very similar in theme to what these illuminati bloodlines have been bred for they are bred to be the vehicles within visible light this world of experience of these entities and if you go back and you look at religious beliefs, etc., of the, of the ancients and the accounts of the ancients, these entities, which go under different names, some people call them the serpent race, some people call them demonic. In the Islamic culture, they call them jinns. All different names, uh, but the same entity. The bloodlines are interbreeding incessantly and have been right back to ancient Babylon and Sumer and Egypt, etc., and beyond, because they are holding a certain genetic code which allows the possession, another ancient, ancient common theme from as far back as you can track right to today. Uh, a genetic code which allows these entities to possess these particular bloodline families within the reality that we experience. And these uh, families are therefore simply vehicles of these demonic entities. You research any of these families, be it the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, uh, Greenspan, Alan Greenspan, any of these people, you will go eventually into uh, black magic, uh, blood drinking, human sacrifice rituals where they um, make sacrifices to the gods. And these gods are these entities which feed off human energy and feed off human blood too. So, so people oh, accept, accept, yes, yes. Uh, oh, long ago people used to use human, human sacrifice to the gods, gods, yes, and all the rest of it. And they think, oh no, we can't be civilized now. Well, some of us are, but these bloodlines are not, and they're just continuing to do today covertly what they were openly doing in the past. And welcome back to another episode of the Juan Juan Podcast. I'm your host as always. Make sure to follow me on social media at the Juan Juan Podcast. Check out the Patreon. Check out the Telegram. Check out all that shit. And today 
We have a very special guest. We got one of the big hitters in the house today, Charlie Robinson. What's up, bro? How you doing, man? I'm really good. How are you? Doing all right. Trying to hang in there, bro. Trying to stay sane. You know how it is. Oh, man. I'll tell you, I just got back from Philadelphia after being there for like uh, four days. And they're going into, like I left on Sunday, but they're going into, well, I guess yesterday, or um, mask mandates indoors again. I feel like, like, what are, what are we doing? Charlie, before we get into it, can you plug your stuff? Because I want to talk some shit with you today. Yeah. Yeah. Plug your information for people who want to find your book and to listen to your podcast. Yeah. Uh, podcast is macroaggressions that can be found, uh, in audio format, wherever, and in video format on David Icke's platform, iconic on Rockfin on Odyssey, on band.video. The website is theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. That's the name of my first book. Um, got three books out. That one, Controlled Demolition of the American Empire that I wrote with Jeff Berwick. That's the number one bestseller in the US and Australia. And um, newest book is Hypocrisy, Surviving in a World of Cultural Double Standards. This one is about uh, morons. <laughs> so uh yeah that's that's uh that's where you can find me uh, oh also group show the union of the unwanted and day zero do those yeah. too those yeah, i've been fun. on there with you day zero like it's pretty pretty wild yeah, it's wild man that one we just take the training wheels off and we let Corey hughes off his leash and he just goes crazy but you like that though right because you're you're i do you know what i like about your show it's very serious it's very straight to the point it's obviously political and it's all about facts right and then I, I like it too because this show I, I I have fun with it, but I have other shows where it's more dark humor, you know, more uh, messed up things that you can just really let loose and not so much worry about it. But you know how it is. I mean, this is like my baby. I've been growing it. I like to be a little bit more educational and scholarly on here as much as I can while having fun. I feel the same way. Yeah, I keep macroaggressions as fact based as I can. Obviously, there's my opinion is flowing throughout the whole thing, but. But with, um, with you know, with the other show, with Day Zero, I mean, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure everybody's high for the whole <laughs> the whole episode. So, so you know, I mean, it, things just we talk about wacky stories. We talk about um, we talk about everything in a in a lighthearted kind of fun, silly way. Like you know, like laughing at the insanity to keep from crying. You know, that yeah. sort of. Philosophy. I think that's pretty important. What what got you into this sort of thing? And we can talk about them. I did not know that about the mass mandate. I mean, I'm in Florida, so we've been free since the beginning of it all. And I feel yep. bad for the people still in Canada who are experiencing, lo- bro, lockdowns. I mean, when lockdowns. does it stop? But what got you? What when did you notice that there was an octopus, a global control? You know what I mean? Like when when did you open your eyes to it? Um, so I knew 9/11 wasn't what it appeared to be, but not on the day of 9-11. It took me a couple years. So I was, I was into that 2004, 2005. I was, I knew that there was something fishy. Actually, I'll tell you what, when, when the United States said that we were going to go into Iraq and the story didn't make any sense, then I was like, this is ridiculous. This is, they're not telling us the truth. And I started to dig around and I knew that 9-11 was, you know, that kind of led me into the 9-11 thing. But really what did it for me was, 2007, get ready to go on a uh, vacation. A buddy of mine says, you should read this book called Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins. And I read that and it changed my whole life. And what that 
book was about was it was showing how um, John Perkins used to, he was an economic hitman. It was a name they kind of a joking name they, they gave themselves. He worked for a company uh, called Maine, which was like working for Halliburton a multinational engineering firm that built large projects. They didn't build houses. They built dams and airports and freeways and stuff like that. And he was talking about in this book how, how in the 70s and 80s, he would be tasked with getting these projects um, built in different countries. And he would go to the, to the president of the country and he'd say, you know, you've got the great, here in Ecuador, you've got the great topography, perfect place for a hydroelectric power plant. Like we could build this. It'll cost X number of, you know, $2 billion, but it's okay because you're good for it. My buddies at the IMF and the World Bank have lined it up there. You know, here's how it'll pencil out. It'll generate this much electricity. All your, all the kids will learn how to read at night. You know, they'll have electricity now. It'll bring you into the, into the 21st century, you know, all that stuff, or I guess at the time, 20th century. So it'll, it'll, elevate your living standard and and you know and we'll put some money in your pocket too don't worry about that so the the presidents would sign on to it they'd go fine all right this sounds good they'd build the hydroelectric power plant and it it would start generating revenue but it would never generate enough to cover the costs of you know their loan payments and they would fall behind on their loans and that was by design it wasn't an accident. That was the, the point. It was a trap set by the IMF and World Bank. And once they fell behind in their loan payments, like any good loan shark, they'd, you know, they'd approach them and say, you know, look, man, you guys owe us a lot of money, but uh, maybe we can work something out. Maybe we can get you to like privatize your lumber industry and sell it to our friends or, or uh, build a UN or U- U.S. military base here or, or, or whatever, or vote our way in some UN resolution, some, some crappy deal that the country didn't want to do, but they were forced into it. And now this is March of 2007 when I'm reading this. And and at the time I'm living in Las Vegas and I'm working in new home sales. So I'm selling houses and, and it's just booming, right? It's just mm. craziness. People camping out in our parking lot to get a in the lottery to be able to buy the next a house in the next batch of houses that are going to be released. And we're jacking up the price during every release. And, and increasingly these loan programs that we had were like, anybody could get qualified, you know? And I remember this guy came in and he was trying to buy a $405,000 house from me. And he made $10 an hour. And he literally picked fruit. You know, he picked fruit. He was a good guy and he worked his ass off and he was he was living the American dream. He was going to buy a house. He was excited. He was going to be a part of it. You know, it was all good. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know if this is going to work. You know, we I filled out the application. I faxed it because it was faxed back then and faxed it over to our mortgage company. They're like, yeah, he's good to go. I was like, oh my God. So I'm like, I'm going, okay, this is, this is John Perkins on a smaller scale, you know, cause, cause when, when these guys fall behind on their loan payments, the bank's going to take back this loan and the mortgage companies didn't care because they would, they would originate the loan they would process it and then um, they'd sell it off to a wholesaler, you know, immediately and it would get packaged up into mortgage backed securities and sold on Wall Street um, through bonds and everything. So they didn't care that this guy was going to default. He was just one out of a thousand guys that were uh, loans that were going into this package that were getting AAA rated. And I realized that it was a scam. And on top of that, I realized I was a part of it. And I had never, I, it never occurred to me that I, 
that I was a part of it. It never even occurred to me that what was going on, you know? And so I kind of, and you know, then the market tanked and all these people lost their homes and I, and I lost, I lost two houses myself and I vowed to never fall into those traps again. And I also didn't want to do that to other people. Of course, I didn't know what I was, I didn't know what was going on really. And, and, and so it taught me a couple of lessons. It taught me that you can be in the industry. People are like, oh, how could we have gone to the, you know, of course we went, they didn't fake going to the moon. So many people were working on it. They would have known. It's like, listen, you can be working in an industry and not understand how it all works too. Like you can, it, it, there's compartmentalization. And, and plus I didn't seek to understand how it all worked either. And it wasn't until everything kind of collapsed that I was like, okay, I, I just, I just want to understand how this rigged carnival game works. Like, I don't want to be the guy playing three card money on the street, losing and acting surprised. I want to know how the game works. So I started to learn about money and I started to learn about the federal reserve. And that led me down this path towards, um, towards all of this stuff where, where I realized, wait a second, this is a huge scam. This mo the money system that we have is fraudulent and uh, it's being perpetuated by a criminal enterprise, the Federal Reserve, a private bank that nobody thinks is private and the government's involved in it and they're stealing our money through inflation. And so once, you know, it's the rabbit hole. Once you, once you, once you start down there, you go, well, that and that leads you to something else. And then that leads you to something. And next thing you know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm six hours into a David Icke presentation, you know, and so you just wind up going down that path. And so in the end, um, I didn't, you know, I was just a consumer of the information until I had a conversation with my mom one day and I was telling her about some, some interesting, uh, new topic that I had discovered. And she was always very cool about like listening and she was interested and she was like, this is cool. This is interesting that you find, find all of this stuff. I mean, you found all all of these interesting facts that people don't really know, but what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do with this information? And I was like, Oh my God, I don't know. I mean, it never like crossed my mind that I had to do anything with it. I never thought to do anything with it. But then after that, I thought, well, maybe I could do something with it. Maybe I'll, I don't know, maybe I could write a book. But so I decided that I would try that out, but I didn't tell anyone because I didn't want to be, on the hook for it, you know, like, Hey man, how's that book coming? You said you're going to write, you are like, well, you know, I never really finished it or so, you know, I just didn't want to do that. So I just didn't tell anyone. I just started writing it and I got a couple hundred pages in to writing it. And then it changed to, um, I'm not going to tell anyone because I don't want somebody to tell me to stop, you know, don't do this. This is a waste of your time because I, I felt like I was onto something. And that eventually became the octopus of global control. And that came out in August of uh, 2017 and that I just went out and started promoting that book and 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 it just just blew up I mean I just it just was it because I think part of the reason was that the format of it I put all these quote over 700 quotes are in the book from 500 different people talking about some of the you know real quotes that you would never ever hear on the nightly news things that I had dug up that these people had said and I kept feeling like like I'm no expert on this, right? You don't, you know, don't, don't take my word for it. Take David Rockefeller's word for it or Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama or, or whatever, you know? So it's all of these people that are on the record saying some pretty horrible stuff. And I decided that I would put that into, um, I would, 
you know, sort of compile that in a way that made sense and break it down into eight tentacles. So, yeah, I'm, I'm currently working on a book. The cover's right there. I put it up on my wall just so I have inspiration every single day that I look at it to get it done. I kind of did the opposite of what you're doing. I actually told people I was going to write it, but I hung it up well, on my wall. You know. That's one way to do it. You can either do that and then now you're being held accountable or you can do say nothing and then you're unaccountable and then it's all up to you. So I, 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 uh, I, I do like the way you did it too, but I, but in my, in my case, I just didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know how, how much work that was. And I wrote that book in the middle of the night, man. I wrote that. I would sneak out of bed and write, like I'd have an idea and I'd write like two paragraphs or three paragraphs or something, go back in bed. And I was writing at odd hours. My wife probably thought I was cheating on her or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, actually, when the book got delivered, I wasn't there. The first batch came in the big box with all these books and she intercepted it because I wasn't there. And I got a phone call. She said, don't come home. And she threw me out of the house for two days for, for cheating on her. And I was like, I wrote a book. Like, like <laughs> you could talk this. I mean, there's some housewives out there that would uh, probably love to change places with you. Like, oh no, your, your horrible husband went out and wrote a book behind your back. You know, like I could have been doing all kinds of other yeah. horrible things. And I didn't, I was just, I just was, I just was very secretive about it because it was, um, I didn't think I'd have the support. And of course I was right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, that that's that's a whole other thing. But were you scared at any point to really come out? Because you know, there's certain subjects that in the conspiracy realm that that, that are kind of off limits. And you know which ones I'm talking about, right? The whole yeah. pedophilia and all this QAnon bullshit that they talk about, like all this stuff. Were you scared at all to actually come out and write a book? And and I don't know if you used a pen name or not. Maybe perhaps no. you did. Well, there you go. Mm -hmm. You didn't. Were you scared that you'd be targeted at all? Like somebody be coming to your door, you know and I'll tell you what, it wasn't lost on me that, that, um, I was also 44 years old when I wrote the octopus of global control, just like Danny Casolero was 44 when he wrote the octopus and he wound up dead in a bathtub. So it did cross my mind. Yeah, for sure. Cause you gotta uh, but be careful, I, you know, when you get too close yeah. to the truth, FBI, open up! they come a knocking. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I, um, I'll tell you what I think maybe, I don't know. I don't know if it saved me or or what, but but the tone of the book was there's so much humor in it too that that I'm, I I tried to make it as funny as I as funny as you can with these topics, but I tried to keep it really lighthearted and and I did tackle some subjects that will will, will get you thrown that I can't even mention on I can't even mention on my podcast because it'll get me thrown off. So I put some stuff in the book that that would uh, eventually probably come back to haunt me if I were to ever run for office or anything like that, you know, about a certain school in Connecticut that you're not allowed to talk about. Yeah. I, I have a copy. I haven't read it though. I picked it up on Amazon, obviously from, from the lizards, but there was, there was one thing I really wanted to get your, your opinion on. Cause I've been getting called out. Right. And as the show grows, I forget that people are listening and it's more receptive, right? As the show grows, mm -hmm. it's more, you put something out, it's just picked up quicker than it was, you know, two and a half years ago when I first started. Right. And I talk about the lizards, Charlie. Right? Yep. I say the lizard, the reptilian overlords, the lizard people, the reptiles. And I've been on like four or five podcasts as of lately. And they've been like, hey, dude, you talk about the lizards a lot. What are you talking like? Where are the lizards at? Obviously, you know, the Mac Daddy, 
David Icke was the one that really brought forth. And you can you can trace the lizard people back to Mesopotamia. You can go all the way back there and trace it, right? The whole worship of lizard people. Do you subscribe to the idea that these individuals in power are lizard people, Charlie? You could you could answer yes or no, or like what do you what do you, what's your thoughts on that? I think not the ones that we see, but I think that uh, look, I I'll tell you what, I was on a I was in London in 2019 and I went to the city of London, not to be confused with London itself. It's as you know, it's like a, mm. a one square mile subset of, of London called the city of London, a lot like the Vatican and also like Washington DC. And when you get in that, in that area, there's lizards everywhere. I mean, there's lizard statues, there's dragon statues. What? That stuff is all over the place and 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 I, I as if it's guarding the gold you know what i mean as if it's as if it's like the dragons are everywhere guarding the gold i took a tour through the tower of london uh lizards there i saw this really crazy like knight like lizard statues the, lizard statues knight's helmet and on the top brim almost like you know like you'd have like a like one of those cool mohawks it was just a, a big lizard sitting on it there's there's a lot of artwork there's a lot of um, with regard to the royals, there's a lot of lizard symbology. It's it's it means something to them. Now, I'll be clear. I've never had an experience. I've never seen anything quite like that. I have heard Billy Corgan on Howard Stern uh, talking about being at a party and seeing somebody shapeshift in front of him. And he said, I saw something I cannot explain. And Howard thought he was crazy. And he just said, I'm just telling you what I saw. He said, were you, were you drunk? Were you on drugs? He's like, I was 100% sober. So David Icke has had uh, instances with where he was sitting in the you know dressing room next to Ted Heath and watched Ted Heath's eyes turn black and things like that. So I reserve the right to change my mind if new information is brought to my attention, but I am willing to uh, sign on that there is more to this world than what we see with our own eyes. And I have done enough psychedelics to know that there's another world out there now it and, and it doesn't present itself to us in our waking life we use a very small amount of our brain there is a part of our brain called the reptilian part of our brain um there's a lot of evidence that points to there being something to this so i'm gonna say i'm gonna say it's a it's a it's a real possibility i've never seen it I know David, of course, um, and and David, you know, is 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 obviously very vocal on this point. And I understand, and I and I fully recognize that when you start talking about stuff like this, you sound crazy. crazy. You know, like to, to the to the to someone that's new to this, you sound insane. And 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 I and I I get it. I'm not I'm not oblivious to that. But there is there's a world beyond our eyes. And if we are just pretending that what we see and what we hear as human beings is the only thing out there, then we're, we're, we're fooling ourselves. We're, we're severely limiting ourselves because there's a, there's a whole lot out. I mean, I've, I've, I've done psychedelics that improved my hearing to the point where I could hear people talk like almost whispering in another room down the hall, you know, and, and, and I couldn't hear that before. So, so what's going on? Did I magically get better hearing? No. Is there something that happens in your brain? Yeah. I mean, it's a mystery to us. There's a, there's a lot going on there. So I, I would, 
I know it's easy to dismiss the reptilian part. And I know it's easy to paint and say, okay, if once you go reptilian, you're automatically crazy. I fully understand that. But, you know, I would, I just would, I would tell people that there is uh, there's just another world out there and, and, and don't be, don't be so sure that there aren't, you know, there aren't people beyond this. Like you mentioned, Mesopotamia, there's, look at ancient statues, look at the, all the artwork. There's a theme. There's a lot of this stuff going on there. It might be, you know, easy for us to go, oh, that's nothing. But to the people that are in power, to the people that hold on to this artwork, to the people that that have held on to it for thousands of years, there's some importance to it. So maybe we should pay attention to it. So I'm sure you've read because how I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the show, how your show's very factual mm-hmm. politics, geopolitics, everything, right? And when I say, when I talk about, I was on with Joe Roop last night. He's like, bro, I don't know if you're being serious about the lizard people. And I was like, hey, dude, I mean, it's your subjective reality, right? I mean, I can't prove what you're thinking. You can't prove what I'm thinking. It's all what is real to us. You know, maybe to Crowley, he saw a lamb. He saw some guy in his living room that looked like a little alien. Who knows? We're never going to be able to prove that, right? I think, therefore, I am. That was the whole thing with Renee Descartes. But... I subscribe to the idea that these, when I say lizard people, I say these are contic forces, right? The dark forces at work in, in life, in society. Now, I'm sure, I don't know, well, you probably have. Have you read The Crowd by Gustave Le Bon? No. So he is called the father of crowd psychology. And he wrote, he, he wrote this book in 1895. And it's a book that is a manual on how to control large groups of people right? A psychological crowd. Now, when he writes this book, it's from a scholar. He was a a social psychologist. So he's writing it from a scholarly point of view, right? And you have all the facts about how when people get together, right, there's an aristocracy of the elites that present an idea, but it's diluted when they pass it down to the crowd. And the crowd is, is a living organism in itself. And it's only it's smart as the smartest person in that crowd. Okay. And we see this all the time. We see that what you know what happened with BLM, what happened with with Antifa, what happened with all these things all throughout history. We always see this this just his mass hysteria within a group of people, and they're like bar- barbaric, right? Like how Carl Jung puts it. And it, that side of people doesn't come out until they're in this congregation of people. Now, when Gustav Le Bon is talking about this, what he calls a suggestion, so it starts with a suggestion that the aristocracy the individuals inject into the group right and that spreads okay mm-hmm. and there's other factors that at play there too but when he's talking about this spreading he calls it the contagion this mm-hmm. supernatural aspect this metaphysical unintelligible thing that happens within that crowd that gets this idea to spread and no matter how far i was you know i'm not going to call anybody out but I've listened to people talk about how when they're doing deep research on whatever subject, they don't come they don't come across the occult or the metaphysical or anything. But it seems to me, Charlie, like these people understand that there is some sort of mind parasite, if you will, or something more. I think that they are in touch with higher entities outside the fabric of space and time, right? as crazy as that sounds. I think so too. But look at the founding fathers, bro. I mean, you know about this. They, were, they had a paranormal experience even within the signing of the Declaration of Independence. So who's to say they were all Freemasons, arguably Freemasons, Rosicrucians, nothing against Freemasons or Rosicrucians, but 
again, there are part of these occultic circles that is all about what? I mean, you talked about the lizard, right? The lizard to these people being something. And alchemy, the salamander, is like their main thing. Like this crazy occult special thing. The salamander, it's a lizard. It's it's a little a slimy little lizard. So do you think that they are in touch with higher entities outside the fabric of space and time and that they're in touch yes. with them? I do. I think that they are involved in some, not all of them, no, of course, but I think that when you see someone like the queen, I think the queen is one of the most evil people on the planet. I think that these people that are involved at the highest levels, committee of 300, these people that are brought in, they're brought in. I think that's why they they serve for life. That's why Diane Feinstein's 88 years old and looks like she's on death's door and still showing work. Nancy Pelosi, all these people, they never go away. Henry Kissinger never retires. David Rockefeller never retires. You know, I feel like they sign on for life. And that is, um, I think that there is a darkness to them. They look dark. They look evil. They look unhealthy. They look like they are not human. And I think that it is, I think it is very likely that they are being manipulated and are promised something and are serving something else. I'm not a, I'm not a religious person. I'm not a, I have no, I have no problem with it. I mean, believe what you want to believe as long as you're not harming somebody else. It's none of my business, but I'm not, I'm not a traditionally religious person. I don't go to my, my default insult isn't to call someone the devil or Satanist or whatever. So when I say, I think these people are working with like demonic forces. I, I, I mean that literally, I think that these people are working with some dark energies that we don't come across and we're not in the position to come across it. It matters to them. Mm -hmm. I know that they, they act as though they are above prosecution. They above reproach that like they act as if they're, they're running things. They act as if they've been given permission to, to behave this way and start wars and do all the horrible things that they do. And um, because they feel that there's no accountability. And I think that somebody is telling them there's no accountability. I mean, I've, we've got Jordy Rose, the, the founder of D wave talking about what his quantum computer is doing. He says, well, we're opening up parallel dimensions and we're going in and dragging information in back, back from there in here. And it's like, what information are you dragging in, man? Who are you Who's giving you that information? What information is it? How are you dragging it back in? Who is providing it to you? So again, I, 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 re I fully recognize how crazy it sounds when you start talking about this stuff. And I don't have the experience to say like, oh, I was, I was in this cult and I broke away and I have all the answers because I don't. I just don't have the answers. I don't know how all that stuff works. But it, so it is, it is a belief based on observations that I've seen. But I, if someone put me on the witness stand and asked me to swear to it, I, I can't. I can't say that I know for certain that this is happening. I just, I see like, look at Tony Blair and you look at Tony Blair and you tell me that that guy isn't evil personified. You know, it, he look, look at Jimmy Savile, look at their faces, look at these people. There's something inhuman about them. Mm -hmm. There's something, there's a darkness in them. There's a, there, there's a look and it's hard to, 
quantify or measure or however you want to frame it, but there is something about these people that you, you ever, you, they, it's like when you walk into a room and you go, Ooh, that guy gives me a bad vibe. There's something to that. That's when I, when I'm talking about psychedelics and things like that, it's what I'm saying is that there's, there's, there's our consciousness level and there's different levels of, uh, of subconsciousness. Mm. And, and when you walk into a room and you're, you know, you're, you're doing your thing, you're going to grab your book, you're going to sit down at this table and you're thinking about, and then all of a sudden you just get a bad feeling about just go like, what the fuck? Exactly. And, and that is, so how do you measure that? Did that guy say anything to you? No, you just know instinctively get away from that person. And so I think that there is, I think that there's a darkness to some people, whether that is their, 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 you know, and, and of course, look, we know about the, 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 the semi-secret societies of like, um, that Kubrick wrote about or, or, or captured in eyes wide shut the Rothschild manor and the, the parties and the squid the, games, like, like shows like that. Exactly. Um, th this is, there is a history of Royal bloodline family elites being involved in very dark occultic rituals, sacrifices and, and ceremonies. So, and we're obviously not invited in. Mm. And it's quite clear that the the ticket to admission requires keeping your mouth shut lest your head get removed from your body if you start talking about that stuff. So it's very difficult to find somebody that's able to blab about that openly. Um, but every now and then you get a Ronald Bernard talking about you know, wanting uh, elevating through the banking system and being at a party and they're saying, you know, you've got to sacrifice the kid. And he said, I can't do it. I just can't do it. And, and walking away. So was that a, a little view into, into this world? I mean, I think so. So, so it, I think there's a darkness that runs through these control grids and, um, and, and, and even though it's, it's easy to dismiss it and, and it's, it, it's, you know, it, it, it may be, Maybe we do have to dis dismiss some of it because yeah. some of it is is nonsense, of course. But and and it's not to say we we just believe everything. But there's enough there's enough people talking about this um, to lead me to believe that there's something to it. Yeah, and, and if it's not true, why censor people who talk about it? Why censor people like Alex Jones or even David Icke? People like that on these major platforms who are run by these lizard-esque people, these elites, whoever you want to call it. And to touch on your D-Wave thing, right, uh, with Jody Rose uh, with from Kindred AI as well, right, these quantum computers, he talked about opening up portals to let through uh, Lovecraft's great old ones. I mean, he literally said that on record on a video. He's like, you know... They don't care about you, how we don't care about an ant, but we're letting these entities that are way smarter than anything you've ever come to. This is on video, on record. And he's kind of saying like chuckling, <laughs> they're going to come through and we're just going to let them be. What are they doing at CERN, bro? What are they do? clashing right. atoms? What the fuck is all that about them clashing atoms to do what there's movies about this? And that's why I feel, Charlie, that this neurolinguistic programming, right? This twilight language like that, that Michael Hoffman talks about the green language, whatever you want to call it, that they sub because our conscious actions are powered by the subconscious mind. Now, when you imprint a bunch of sigils and a bunch of imagery from everywhere, even from our own 
schooling system that is just garbage. And they're, they're, they're nowadays they're letting people be whatever you want to be. You want to be a toaster today. You want to be a lizard tomorrow. You want to be Bigfoot the next day, do whatever. Hey, I'm cool with that, but don't leave the kids out of this. You know what I mean? Like leave the kids alone. You can do whatever you the fuck you want to do behind closed doors, but leave our children out of it because dude, my four-year-old doesn't even know what cereal in the morning he wants to eat. And you're going to tell me that you're going to tell him what he wants, you know, what he, what he feels like, you know, it's just don't tell your parents, but you know, you can be whatever. It's like, no, get the fuck out of here with that. You know what I mean? Later on in life, if he wants to start doing whatever, that's fine with me. Cause he's a, he'll be a grown ass man. But until he's 18 years old, you know, I don't want these people pumping them full. And, and it, it looks like we're going back. The more information we have, Charlie, with technology, the dumber and dumber society gets. You know what I mean? And I was eating yeah. sushi the other day with my wife and my kid. And out up on the TV, it was like uh, World War Three nuclear weapons. And I go, oh, this is what they're doing now. And you see the, the, the waiters were looking up at it. You know, people were coming in, looking up at it. No, this is how they get people. You know, they start. Where's the COVID narrative? Where the fuck did that go? Is that gone now? Is that, did we just switch the channel? Like, what's what's next, Charlie? Are they going to start doing? What's the whole thing with Twitter and Elon Musk? What's going on, bro? We're getting programmed. You know, we're getting yeah, like you said, they're changing the channel. Oh, this channel's boring. Click, turn to the next one. Eh, oh, COVID, COVID, eh, COVID's over. Yeah, let's turn. Oh, Ukraine's on. Hey, everybody, Ukraine's on. Hey, everybody, we're only allowed to feel one way in a war, a war that obviously has two sides at minimum, uh, multiple sides. If you really dig into it, there's a variety of ways you can feel about this. You're only allowed to feel one way. Obviously that's a, that's a scam. So, um, so you have to be careful with that. You mentioned the neuro linguistic programming too. What there's certain things that you can, you can watch, uh, like on TV, if you get good at this, you can pick it up. Whenever I see a politician do this with when they're talking and they'll do this, which is an unnatural action. It's like your thumb on top of your hand and they'll point it forward and say, we're going to move forward. And I look at that and I go, I know what you're doing. I know exactly what you guys are doing. You guys have all gone to this school. You've been taught how to do this. Mm -hmm. You've been taught how to talk to people. You've been taught how to how to say the right words at the right time. I own a media training company, so um, you know we we would teach pro athletes how to be better on camera and interviews and things like that. I understand the media. It's the, part of the reason why I hate them so much. I understand what they do and what they are and what their purpose is. And it's never to give us the the truth about the situation is always to set us down set us on some course towards feeling a way that they want us to feel that they can then uh, manipulate and manage and, and use that to uh, whether it's the justification to, to get into more war. It's like, it's like one. So world war three, do we start it today, tomorrow, or next week discuss, you know? And it's like, Hey man, how about never? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and they're like, but, but you give that nine months of them talking about world war three, world war three, when do, when did we start? And after nine months you get every people like, maybe we should start it tomorrow. Like, it seems like it's inevitable, you know? And it's like, Whoa, like be- people start, Charlie, people, they understand this, right? So people start to believe it. I'm a hundred percent on board with people manifest their own reality. Mm-hmm. When you have a child, right. And they're, they're, role playing and they're, they're acting like, like my, my son thinks he's Optimus Prime. So when he's, he believes he's Optimus Prime. And I feel that these people who are watching and then taking this, this, this information, 
it's the same way. They're little children, not mentally, but maybe maybe spiritually or in some aspect, of, or some way or another, they're ch children because they need to be held by the hand and only do what the system tells them to do. And we know that it's a parasitic relationship. I mean, totalitarianism, like we know that they like to be the in the womb of the government and being taken care of. And some people really get off on that. Like, hey, I don't know. That's why I... I you know, I'm not a religious or, or spiritual person. I talk about a lot of these things, but that's why I think it's important to have some sort of system, whether that be religion for you or what meditation, whatever it is to you. That, I always go back to the Bible because I was raised Pentecostal Christian, but I feel like the, the Bible is, it's a good story. It's a good book to guide people, right? Because some people need that guidance. Some people are walking a tightrope. You know how Nietzsche talks about the, the man walking on the tightrope and underneath him is the abyss. And any little shift in the narrative, any little thing in society is just going to, boom, set him off. He's going to fall down into the... And some people are there mentally. They're they're always teeter-tottering between ideas. And maybe they don't see it, Charlie, because you're talking about the darkness in these in the eyes of these people. I see that at the DMV. I think the entrance to Hollow Earth is at the DMVs, but that's a whole other conversation. You might be right about that. <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. Well, but, you know, you're, you're you're let me say you're right about this. What, what you just said, but because I put a quote in the Octopus book from Joe Rogan, who was talking about religion being used as a scaffolding. Yes, how it gives how it how it's there to kind of help people um, keep them on a track and take, this is what's good and this is how you are good and if you follow this, you could be good and it sort of helps to guide them and put them on this path and 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 you know give them structure, mm -hmm. the structure that they need. And, and a lot of people take comfort in that. And if you take comfort in, in, in your religion, that's great. I mean, like I said, whatever, you, whatever makes your world better and it doesn't come at the expense of somebody else, go for it. But, but religion for sure has been, you know, organized religion has been used to, to, to keep people on a path. Now, whether that's a good path or a path towards giving 10% of your money to the church every, every week, tax uh, I, you know, tax, tax free. Free. yeah, tax uh, that's, that's sort of to be determined, but, uh, but, but, but yeah, that's, that's, that's how, when you, you said that it made me think of the, the, the scaffolding quote from Rogan. Yeah. Cause it's, it's simulacra. Okay. It's simulacra. It's these empty symbols that people attach. And, and the problem is a lot of people don't see it, Charlie, because they deify these people. They deify politicians. It's we're back oh, yeah. in Egyptian times where the Pharaoh was a living God on earth and people, you see it. And I always tell everyone, I go, Hey, these politicians, whether it be Trump, Biden, whoever it is, I don't care who it is. It's the same coin just two different sides and they're playing you because they know how to work the system. The people, the same people who passed the laws are the same people who made them. Okay. So when they're teeter tottering you back and forth every four years, you know, it's polarization. That's part. That's also part of crowd mentality. A nation can be a crowd. Okay. And when you have these leaders, there's something called prestige. And it, this prestige is this supernatural aspect this charisma that just emanates from these individuals you, you have judges back then with the with the white wigs that was a sign of seniority and 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 hierarchy within the society money nowadays is another sign of prestige right you're how many degrees do you have charlie are you are you a doctor oh oh well you know i'm a judge so i'm wearing this big robe right and i'm summoning people 
to the court. Like, what the fuck is all that about? You're summoning people? Am I a high priest or something? Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? This language that they use, they understand it. And I, I, dude, I'm 100% on board with, I talk a lot about about a lot of crazy shit. And I'm 100% on board that with organized religion, it's taken away from the humanism movement. So this whole thing of, demeaning this reality right because we all when we're in church we're all we're we're only preparing for the afterlife be a good person here follow the follow toe the line and uh, you know when you toe the line we might save you a seat in heaven okay so wait a minute so there's some some place better than here absolutely it's going to be you're going to have the greatest golden mansion ever and you're going to be with god and you're going to be doing everything so what's all this here oh it's just a test fucking test what are you just the waiting room to hell a waiting you know what i mean and everyone who's come out charlie and has talked against organized religion how they've talked against the government those people are what ruled heretics if oh, yeah. back then if you were growing your own garden oh you're a pagan you're a witch i'm gonna go tell the authorities on you and they're gonna burn you at the stake why because i want to be self-sufficient and i want to be able to provide for myself and not depend on big brother big farmer or whatever it is i mean you see the corruption but some people are asleep still and i don't like the term woke i think that sounds stupid but some people haven't they're like neo they're still in that capsule and plato's cave right what was all that about the reality that they were being presented with the shadows on the wall and when homeboy broke out and he saw the real world and was like Whoa, this, there's more to this. And when he went inside, Stockholm they Syndrome. They Stockholm did not no. appreciate him coming back in there to tell them about what they were missing. They were very content in their ignorance. They, 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 they liked the predictable world that they had grown up in, that they understood was better to them than this unknown out there place, you know, out of the cave where all everything is totally different. That's scary to a lot of people. And I get this. I understand when I have to, you know, when there's somebody that I'm talking to that doesn't understand 9-11 or whatever, and they just go, oh, you crazy conspiracy theorists with your ideas. And you go, I, I know what's going on in your head. You know, to unpack the reality that your government in conjunction with other Allied governments pulled off 9-11 and did it to themselves in order to use that as the justification to go remake the Middle East in their image, th- that destroys your worldview. That, that that requires a person to completely burn their boat at the, at, at the shore and just say, I can never go back to my old way of thinking because to know what I know now means I can never believe what I used to believe. And that's a lot to ask of people. Mm-hmm. And not everybody is ready for that. And not everybody is equipped for that. And not, and a lot of people don't want to believe. They just, it, it's the devil they know. You know, they just, it's just easier for them to deal with this reality that they're in and, and not worry about that stuff. What am I going to do? What am I, what am I going to reverse 9-11? Why do I need to know about that? And I guess you and I are seekers, seekers of information. I don't have any belief that I'm going to figure it all out and then I'm going to fix it all. But I want to know as much as I can know about how it all really works. And people say, why? And it's like, I just, 
I just have to know because I feel like I'm being lied to. Mm-hmm. I know I'm being lied to and, mm-hmm. and I don't appreciate it and it makes me angry and it makes me want to figure out what they're hiding. So it's just a mission. And once you, you know, some people don't ever figure it out. The people don't, don't have that curiosity, but if you do, you come into this information, you can't leave it. You know, I get it. I now understand why very religious people that that get into a, they come into a religion and it changes their life and it open and it it explains things that they had never thought. I understand why they go out and leave the church and go and want to tell everybody about it. And I because it it it's like guys, look, I've got this information over here. If you only knew, it would make your life better. Like it would make my life better or make my life make more sense. And, you know, but I also recognize that those people, those hardcore religious people sound like lunatics when they do that. And we can sound like lunatics too, when we do that as well. So we all have to kind of walk this, this line between talking to people and explaining to them what we know. And it's not to say we know it all, but we we've discovered quite a bit explaining it the best way we can and, and laying that information out there. If people want to take it and people want to get involved and they want to understand it, it I, I, I will sit down and talk to them about it. If someone wants to argue with me about, about whether America is the good guy or not, it's like, I just don't want to, or I don't I mean, I don't have time to fight you on this. Yeah. Like it's, this is, you know, this is as, as midnight Mike says, you know, I'm too busy fighting the new world order. You know, he like, <laughs> the Illuminati. Him, like, Hey Mike, can you, you know, like on, we're on a group text for the union of the unwanted. Hey Mike, do you have time to do uh, this thing? He's like, I'm going to, I'll, I'll get to that as soon as I'm, I'm real busy right now fighting the new world order. And of course we all just start laughing because <laughs> start using that excuse. I'm fighting the Illuminati mom. I can't, I can't make it, yeah, I just can't it right now. I'm sorry. You're gonna have to get back to me later. Um, but th- the idea is that this information's out there it'll change your life when you come into it and it'll make you sound a little crazy too. If you, if you get too evangelical about it, you know, and you go out there and you start wanting to spread the gospel of nine 11, um, you, you run the risk of sounding like a crazy person. But I just come to realize that I can't, I can't wake up. I can't wake up people that are pretending to be asleep. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I won't try. You can't help people who can't help themselves. And you're talking about, right, when people, they when they subscribe to a religion, right, it's, an, it's a narrative fallacy for them. So to understand the things that they don't understand, right, it's, it's right. but all this knowledge, people have to understand it's the exoteric knowledge, right? It's knowledge that's already out there. That's just a narrative. It's a story to make people feel good about themselves. It's that esoteric and occult shit that you got to be careful of because that's the stuff that they really don't want you to know about, but they'll yeah. give you something else. And and and, and substitute and substitute that for whatever else that they're trying to hide, and dude, I mean the the difference between. I mean, you do this for a living. I I mean, I think you do you do this for a living, don't you? Podcasting. Yep. Well, the problem with with the difference between you and like a regular person is that you have the time and you have the energy to look into these sort of subjects, right? You're doing research. I'm doing research as best I, as I can, but dude. People are in this system that that society has put forth that since the beginning of whenever that it's you have to wake up seven to three, nine to five, whatever it is. 
you work your, you slave away, you do this mind numbing work every single day, day after day in order to be able to mm -hmm. live in a paper mache house, because this is what the, they all are nowadays. They're just paper mache pieces of wood, right? They just, you have this much separation from the outside world. That's it. And you pay X amount of money for that, right? Money, a simulacra, something that's given value just because they say so, because we said so. And when people come home, Charlie, they're tired. They don't give a yeah. fuck about the new world order. They don't give a fuck about the Illuminati. They don't care about any of that stuff. They just right. want to sit in front of the TV, turn on the matrix and not even look at the symbolism behind it. This is a good movie. I was watching Sonic the Hedgehog the other day with my son, bro. Yeah. And I was like, this is occultic as fuck. This is a really, really occult movie. Yeah, dude. Some of the stuff in it, bro. Dr. Eggman is like chaos is power. He has like this, this relic that gives him all the power in the world. I'm like, holy shit look at this i was like God, you know what i mean like, this is a cult bro this is the type of stuff that they put in it. chaos is power right yep. we know from chaos there's order you know all, the, all this stuff that they that they talk <laughs> about and people are too tired charlie they don't want to put in the work they don't want to because how you said it shifts their paradigm and when you shatter their beliefs and their paradigms by talking about all this crazy stuff the stuff that they've been in doctor bro i was there i was I was 11 or 10 years old reading about the book of revelations and, and that was the first book I ever had the, the, my first Bible from 2005. Right. And I'm, I'm going to be 28 next week. And I remember reading bro, when I was 10, 11, 12 years old about the book of revelation and my family would tell me, yeah, when the rapture happens and the people who stay behind, they got to get their head cut off in order to go back into heaven with God, bro. I was 12 years old reading about this. That's traumatic That's for a kid. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's trauma bonding. Yeah. And that's, disgusting. and it's no accident either too. You know, this, this is, I get it that. And, and I, everyone's working nine to five jobs. They don't have time to look into this. I've worked those jobs too for, for many, many years. Um, they count on that. They count on us not having the time to, to dig into this. They count on it. You know, they hide things in, in plain sight. They count on a uh, crowd, you know, the, the herd sort of ostracizing those that, that, that think differently. And there's power in that too. You know, you don't want to be outside of the herd. And uh, I mean, I do, but, but, but the general public, they don't really want to be outside of the herd. It's deemed to be no, you know, a, a lack of safety. You open the herd up to, injury if you stay in and you're a bad person so they 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 push you out uh if you're a sick wounded animal you get thrown out of the herd you know they you don't want to attract a bunch of predators to the herd so you're on your own buddy sorry that you're you're sick and limping but you're going to get eaten by that will uh, by that uh that alligator and 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 we're not so we're moving on and 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 I and I understand the power of the herd and the power of the, the the way this system is set up safety they feel safe it's safety yeah. but is it but is it really safe it's an illusion it's, of it's, choice it's, it's all sense of yeah. safety because if the herd decides that they're all going to go run off and jump off the cliff or they're all going to decide that we're going to inject ourselves with uh, experimental gene therapy four times a year for the rest of our lives is that safe no that's that's just that's just herd mentality and manipulation. So I feel like it's important for people to at least understand how this works, how the manipulation works. And if you want to be a part of it and be manipulated, go for it. We're all manipulated. 
on some level, in some ways, in some things, you know, the, the, the goal is to try and pull away from that as much as you can. But I'll tell you what, the, one of the things that this getting involved in this research has done for me has, is it's, it, once you see how the magician uh, does his trick, you can never unknow it. You know, you, you can always see, you know, he's reaching in to pull the rabbit out here and you know, you're, you're looking at the other hand or, you know, you're looking to see what's in his back pocket. You get, you get better and better and better at recognizing that. So when COVID comes around or something like that, you know, a, a, a new psychological operation, we are in a position where just due to experience, we can go, uh, they're going to do this next and they're going to do that after that. And you watch, they're going to start uh, using all these tactics. They're going to start bringing out the, they're going to deify these nurses and doctors and put them up on a pedestal. And, you know, I was jokingly saying, well, it wasn't really a joke, but I was saying like, at some point, you know, when we were doing the you know, clap for NHS at eight o'clock on the balconies in Europe or, or, or everyone was, was thanking their nurses and doctors and all that, their bravery being on the front lines and all that, I said, you know, you know, what's going to happen when you get on an airplane, you're waiting to get on an airplane. They say anybody traveling with young children or any, anybody that's elderly and needs uh, assistance getting on, you can go ahead and board first, uh, active duty, military, active duty, nurses and doctors. You know, I, I was like, you watch, they'll, they'll start doing that. So far they haven't done it, but, but, but this deification and putting these people up on a pedestal so that they're above reproach. You can't question that doctor. He's a hero. How dare, how dare you? you? Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, how dare I, 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 I'm reading the studies. How dare I, I know about the VARES court have known about it for a long, long time. I mean, I dare because I actually have some information. I have, I actually know what the fuck is going on here. So yeah, I dare question the 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 god Fauci because he's full of shit. And I recognize this, and a lot of us recognize this early on, and we started pushing back. But we were at a we were at a um, you know with regard to to this the 2020 uh, virus situation. Those of us in the alternative media that have been doing this for a while have been paying attention. We we knew what the pharmaceutical industry was. We knew it was a, a, a death machine. We knew that they were the third leading cause of death inside the United States. We understood uh, about the VARES court. We knew what the vaccines were doing. We knew all about that. So when the 2020 situation came around, we were already up to speed on this. A lot of other people, the vast majority of people, didn't know anything about this, didn't know about the CDC, didn't know that the CDC is basically a vaccine patent holding company masquerading mm. as a regulatory agency. They didn't know about um, the dangers of the MMR vaccine, let alone rush to market gene therapies. They didn't know any of this. So they had a big learning curve. And it seems like a lot of people are starting to figure it out now. Welcome to the party. Glad to have you here. There's always room for more people. But we were screaming early on, not because we're paranoid schizophrenics, but because we actually had been working on this stuff prior to that and we knew who we were dealing with. So when you see the head of the CDC come out and start talking about this stuff, I go, I, that, that is a person you cannot trust under any circumstances. There's a revolving door between them and big pharma. You might as well have the president of Merck come out here and give the speech in, instead because that's essentially who's running the, these, these, these so-called regulatory agencies. So, there's a benefit. There's a benefit to knowing how all this stuff works. 
if for no other reason, leading back to what I was talking about with my real estate uh, uh, epiphany, where I just didn't want to get scammed anymore. So I made sure that I learned as much as I could about money and all that stuff so that it wouldn't happen again. So for those of you that have just woken up in, in, to the 2020 situation that we've been living through, you'll, you might find yourself in a similar situation to me where you just decide, okay, I never want to get scammed like this again. I want to try and understand how it all works. And then the next time they try to do this, and there will be a next time, you'll be like we were with the, with the 2020 situation. We were all up to speed. As soon as that dropped, we knew exactly what was going, maybe not exactly every last detail, but we knew the, the vast majority of what they were doing and where they were taking us. Not because we're psychic, not because we were looking at a crystal ball, but because we had experience and we knew what was going on. So it's going to become increasingly more difficult for these organizations, the media, the the pharmaceutical industry, and all, to, to continue to pull the these scams over on people. They'll They'll try, of course, and, and they'll be successful on some level, but there's going to be a bigger and a larger group of people that are aware of this. So it'll be increasingly more difficult for them to pull these things moving forward, I hope. As we approach the end here, Charlie, I wanted to get your intake on, uh, your, your input on what do you feel that they're lining us up for next? So what do you think is going to be the next big red flag, the, the false flag, if you will? What do you think that they're lining us up for? To, to, what narrative do you feel that they're going to be pushing next with this whole World War Three? Is it going to be the actual World War III? Are we in World War Three already? I saw that headline yesterday. Well, World War Three is already underway, all this stuff. Is it going to be that or is it going to be something else in the, in the, you know, in the, in the behind the scenes that we can't see? I think we're headed for a banking collapse. I think we're headed for the U.S. dollar being depegged as the world's reserve currency. Berwick and I wrote about that in, in the Controlled Demolition book as one of the trigger events for taking down the whole empire is the 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 decoupling of the U.S. dollar from the petrodollar mm -hmm. arrangement, the loss of the world's reserve currency status, and what that'll do. That'll have catastrophic ramifications for everybody, all, all countries, uh, not just America, that really will destabilize us in, in a, in a place where, uh, coupled with supply chain breakdowns, which we're already seeing these manufactured crises in, in China, Shanghai, Shanghai lockdowns, closing down the ports, closing down all, you know, the shipping that's not going out. Those are, these are catastrophes that we can see coming, uh, months in advance. the, 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 the World War III component I'm less concerned about. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say I'm not concerned about it, but, but just in terms of my ranking of things that I think are going to impact us here in America, I think that the dollar's uh, decline is, is, is well on its way. You can't, you can't create 80% of all dollars in existence in a two-year period and not get hyperinflation. And when you get hyperinflation and you have foreign entities like China holding a trillion and a half dollars of, of US denominated US dollar denominated debt, it's going, it's a it's a you mentioned contagion. It's a contagion effect when you do that. So nobody will be spared from that. The economic uh, components will be horrendous. And that will then create social unrest and chaos and, 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 and the likes of, of which we haven't seen for a while. So I, I, but I think it's, I think it's mostly 
finance based. And these guys have been running a Ponzi scheme for a hundred years with the federal reserve. And at some point you just run out of other people's money or you, your magic printing press, you, you know, you, you, you've, the end of empire ends like this. We, we wrote about that in the book with coin clipping and, and whatnot. So uh, the Romans did it towards the end. They took, you know, clipped little pie shaped slices off the edges of all the little coins piled them up together, melted them down and made a new coin out of it. You know, so, so they debasing the currency is not nothing new. We've been doing it for a very long time. And I think in the end, that'll be what, what takes everybody down. Wow. Well, uh, you mentioned earlier, I think it's very important to understand, I guess the propaganda to really be able to read between the lines. And that's why this type of research and podcasts like yours and like mine who are in people's ear holes trying to you know do something right I, at the end of the day we're all alchemists trying to transform the ideas of people and make make them wake up like the stoics they wanted to break their wake their brethren up like hey wake the fuck up you know like morpheus and neo and all this stuff and i think it's important to know that's why i learn about the occult and about all these crazy things because how you said you're able to distinguish it that next time that it comes up and you're able to pattern recognition as human beings. We're really good at pattern recognition. And sometimes you'll see something, you'll go, that looks out of place or, or I've seen this before, or this is what somebody says when they're trying to, this is what George H W Bush said right before he tried to talk us into this or the first Iraq war. And you start to hear these terms and you go, I see what they're doing. You get better at it. The more you do it, but it, but it pays to be, watching it pays to be observant it pays to 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 be listening to what these people are saying not so much because they're going to tell you what they're saying but but all sometimes what they're not saying too mm-hmm. is, is just as important and this occult component that you've mentioned a few times here you know it's easy to dismiss that for people that are like normies out there it's easy to go oh you guys with your ideas about the occult and all that baffled how dare stuff. you you know <laughs> And it's like, okay, like I, okay, you can be dismissive of this if you, if you'd like, and I'm not saying you have to be an expert on it or I have to be an expert on it or whatever, but just understand it might not matter to you, but it matters to them a lot. And if it matters to them, we should be paying attention to it. Mm -hmm. Charlie, I had a great time, bro. This was amazing. I love talking to you. You're a wealth of knowledge. I, can you tell the people where they can find your work once again? and macroaggressions audio podcast uh subscribe rate it give me a good rating if you think i've earned it um audio formats everywhere video formats iconic rockfin odyssey band.video website the octopus of global control check out our group shows uh, the union of the unwanted and day zero and you can find my books on Amazon. You can find them in digital format at my website uh, too. If you want to bypass uh, Bezos and his uh, <laughs> cock rockets, you can uh, you can come you can come see me directly. Yeah, we, we might be seeing some more Charlie here come soon. We got a project, so don't don't leave after the call, Charlie. I'm going to get your final opinion on something. But thank you for those you that it. stuck around with us for this long. And like I said, be, be, don't be a piece of shit. Be nice to everyone. Love each other. And yeah, I'll catch you on the other side. Bye.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.